Are you sheltering in place, isolated, feeling alone? <coughs> well, then you're just like us. Hit me. From Studio P in Sausalito, the home of the quarantined hit, it's time for... Suckatash. Suckatash Shut-In, the Soundcast stimulus package featuring snippets from comedy... Soundcasts. And now, here's your host for this episode, Mark Hershon. Mark Hershon. Thank you, Bill Haywatt. As the man said, I am Mark Hershon, creator, executive producer, and co-host of Suckatash Shut-In, the Soundcast stimulus package. Designed to up your weekly dosage of comedy soundcast intake by several clips each episode. Last week in episode 224, my esteemed co-host and soundcast practitioner, Tyson Saner, prescribed a three-clip flight of comedy shows just for you, including Rough Giraffe, Still Loading, and The Dark Weeb. You can still get that script filled at Apple and Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, The Laughable App, and our home site, SuccotashShow.com. This here, however, is Epi 225, which I'm calling Scaring Up Some Spooky Clips. That's because I pulled deeply out of the comedy horror genre for the snippets provided for you this week from shows like Ghoul Intentions, Spoop Hour, The Boogie Monster, and This Paranormal Life. In addition, we have a clip uploaded to us from a fellow comedy soundcaster, Amanda Welsing, producer and host of Dead Waves, which falls squarely into the theme this week, just by chance, or once we got her submission, I moved the theme I was going to do, which was podcast bloopers, to a later show. You decide which came first. This episode is brought to you by Henderson's Pants, makers of pet pants, as well as by TrumpPoetry.com. I will tell you that both of those sponsors, as much as Tyson and I adore them, are 100% phony. But there is a chance that we may be picking up some real sponsor any day now. Our feelers are out, we've submitted proposals to folks with some dough, and in the future there may be an honest-to-God legitimate commercial on where I am talking to you right now. Also, we can just keep the lights on here at Succotash Patch Productions, or, to be totally transparent, turn the lights on. We've been working in the dark for quite a while, and it's high time we start seeing what the hell we're doing. All right, let's get to those clips. Since our soundcaster submitted clip from Dead Waves actually did give me the idea for our scaring up spooky clips theme, let's kick it off with that one. Here's the note that was set in with the snippet. Good afternoon, Mark. I hope this isn't too forward, but I've been trying to submit a clip of my podcast to you using Hightail, and it just stalls out after a couple of minutes. Ah, crap. Good to know that, that monthly subscription is paying off to Hightail. We shall have our people call their people and then tell their people where to get off. Anyway, I digress. To continue, our friends over at Jock Doc Podcast told us about your show, and I think it's really cool how inclusive you are of all types of comedy podcasts. Yes, we featured Jock Doc just two episodes ago, and it was delightful to have them. Her note continues, with all of the podcasts out there, it's easy to get lost in the shuffle. <laughs> Tell me about it. So for you to carve out a space to mention some of us hidden gems is super appreciated. Thank you for your time. Stay healthy. Stay safe. Amanda Welzine, producer, host, 100% that witch, that, that witch, T-H-A-T, that witch, dead waves, an improvised paranormal podcast. Well, 
That was darn nice of the jock doc folks to say such nice things about us. Amanda didn't include any setup for this clip, although I see it is from their Epi 236 entitled Anything for Loaf. And it features Amanda, her co-host Ryan Fust, and guest Tanya Rowland. Let's grab a slice. We got to get to the bottom of this by helping somebody with their problem because someone maybe could use our help that could help us maybe by hiding us in the basement. If we help enough people, maybe somebody will just let us hang out in their basement or they'll know how to kill Shem. That's even better. I like that idea. We got to be aggressive. We can't keep hiding in basements and ice cream shops and radio stations and that car that smelled a little bit like old grease and potatoes. You're right. We got to bring the fight to Shem. Wow, this is really inspirational. I didn't know you had it in you. Well, Jack didn't have it in him, but Blorbert? Blorbert's got this. Blorbert's the fucking man. I want to hang out with Blorbert. Hell yeah, Jamantha. Let's go get some beers later. Let's get some fucking beers. Also, we got swords and grenades and shit that we can probably, we should probably use. But anyway. Uh, I'll draw up some plans to maybe fortify the station a little bit more, you know. Hell yeah, get it, Steve. Uh, I will get it after we're done with this. Yeah, we, we probably should help somebody at this point. All right, so for anyone out there who's listening who needs some advice or guidance in their life, you can give us a call here. Our phone number is 392-6660. And, uh, Jamantha, if they can't reach us over the phone, what's that email address? Oh, I took a big old pan of uh, sandwich I was sitting right here. But I want to let you know that if Jayway's radio up, gmail.com. Listen, when I get scared, I am very hungry. Oh, yeah, I get the fear eats, too. You've, you must be scared a lot because you happen to eat a lot. Oh, I'm scared all the time. On our, on our show. Oh, the phone's ringing. Oh. oh. Uh, hello, caller. You are on the air with Dead Waves. Oh, my God, you guys. Thank you so much for taking my call. I really appreciate it. Oh, that was easy. We're already being thanked. No. Wow. Uh, You're welcome. Uh, who is it that we have on the air with us today? I'm sorry. Okay, my name is Gina Dingle. You may recognize me from my lifestyle blog about meatloaf, meatloaf madness, no big deal. Um, and yeah, like I'm doing pretty good. Like I'm, I've got like a couple people actually reading and commenting now. So Ooh. I'm gonna get big any day now. Oh. You sound famous. You sound like you got a famous voice and a famous name. Oh, my God. Thank you so much. That means so much. May I quote you on my blog about that? Sure. You got to just put uh, oh, oh, uh, put my real name, which is uh, Samantha. Samantha. Thank you. Samantha uh, right. Q. Samantha Q. All right. All right. I got that written down. Thanks, guys. Uh, so, Gina, it sounds like everything is going pretty good for you. So why are you calling us? Well, I think you guys are kind of the only ones that will understand and maybe help me instead of thinking I'm crazy. Okay. So the one thing I love is maybe turning against me. <gasps> I'm not quite sure. So I know exact feeling. Okay, good. Well, not good that you feel that. But anyways... So I am a meatloaf meatloaf enthusiast, and so lately when I've been putting the meatloaf in the oven, it's kind of been, it sounds like it's screaming. 
Ooh. Well, that that okay. makes sense. Meat is just dead animals. So I think, well, I thought it was just the oven opening maybe, and that made a screaming noise. Mm-hmm. But then when I cut into the meatloaf, I hear little grumbles, and then I eat it. And then it, it I feel like the meatloaf is haunting me now. <gasps> Oh no! Oh. Um, yeah. Steve, Jamantha, yeah. yeah. Quick huddle, quick huddle. Uh, okay. okay, we're huddled. We're already kind of in a huddle, but I'll just put my arms around you. Ah, uh, thanks. You're welcome. Another haunted food situation. Ooh, is this? Could it be? Um, um, do you think we're cursed to no. only receive food situations? Uh, no, 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 that's not what I'm worried about. I'm worried about. The spirit that haunts the food. <gasps> You're talking about the spirit that haunts all the food that's ever been eaten ever? Our enemy. Our nemesis. The yummy yummy man? Shh, don't say I'm his sorry, name. I'm sorry. He's listening to us. He's in the walls. So that's a taste of dead waves. They don't seem to have a home site per se. But Amanda supplied us with their Facebook page URL if you visit the blog for this episode at our home site, SuccotashShow.com, and click on the title for their show, you will be whisked across the web in extreme comfort, and we'll let them take it from there. Our next clip is from The Boogie Monster, hosted by comedians Kyle Kinane and Dave Stone. I'm a bit ashamed in that I have never heard of this show before. I mean, I definitely know who Kyle and Dave are, because I I know comedians and comedy and stuff like that. But I've never heard of this show before, which is interesting. The fact is, there's been 206 episodes of The Boogie Monster. This clip is from the most recent show in which the hosts tackle, for the first time in all those sodes, werewolves. Let's go ahead and get into it. This is a... This is a topic that seemed pretty obvious for the Boogie Monster, but in four years, we've never really covered it. Um, And I thought, you know, October, Halloween's a couple weeks away. Let's get into some real classic Halloween stuff. I thought today we'd talk about some werewolves. I know you're a fan. Love a werewolf. Every time I start reading or thinking about werewolves, I always think about your bit on that first album about uh, (laughs) waking up. What, waking up naked every mo- once a month or so doesn't mean I was a werewolf the night before. Ugh. I feel like that. Like, everybody's got their good, like, their first bits are like the, <laughs> I'm, I got drunk and did this. Nah, that's You a know, good one, like, though, when man. you start comedy, everybody's got the, I got drunk <laughs> bits. Of course. But yeah, man, werewolves, um, we talked about, and we may revisit uh, the dog man. I always, like... I divided up werewolves, I think, more mythology and folklore, and then dogmen, I think, of actual uh, cryptozoology. I think, you know, I think those might be real. Uh, maybe we'll talk about that next week. But uh, today, just a little refresher course on werewolves. Um, it's unclear exactly when or where the werewolf legend originated. Uh, some scholars believe that uh, werewolf made its debut in the Epic of Gilgamesh, the oldest known Western prose. You ever read that? The Epic of Gilgamesh? Hey, the oldest Gilgamesh. The oldest I've, known Western prose. I don't I don't have a date on that, but uh, I'm curious to see how exactly how old it is. Anyway, uh, in that story, Gilgamesh um, uh, jilted a potential lover because she had turned her previous mate into a wolf. So that's the first time it ever appeared in literature. In Greek mythology... Uh, werewolves made a, an early appearance 
in um, the legend of, uh, I always mispronounce this, uh, Lycaon. The legend of Lycaon. According to the legend of Lycaon, the son of uh, Pelascus angered the god of Zeus when he served him a meal made from the remains of a sacrificed boy. There you go. That's relevant wow. to what we are talking about earlier. Uh, as Jeff, punishment, Jeffrey Jones the, <laughs> might be a werewolf. <laughs> as punishment, Zeus turned uh, Lycaon and his sons into wolves. So it uh, shows up in Greek mythology. Also, uh, so many different uh, cultures have werewolf lore. Uh, in Nordic folklore, werewolves, uh, werewolves, that's hard, that's a mouthful, also emerged uh, in, in Nordic folklore, the saga of Volsungs, tells the story of a father and son who discovered wolf pelts that had the power to turn people into wolves for 10 days. I don't know why exactly 10 days. But the father-son duo donned the pelts, they transformed into wolves, and they went on a killing rampage in the forest. Their rampage ended when father attacked his son, causing a lethal wound. The son only survived because a kind raven gave the father a leaf with healing powers. So they show up oh, in Nordic folklore. Sound like they're really making it up at the end there. <laughs> Here's a real weird one. Okay, this is the weirdest uh, oh, one weird. that I've found. Yeah. Uh, in Scottish and Irish folklore, um, they talk about selkies. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. S-E-L-K-I-E-S. Selkies. Creatures who spend their lives in the cold ocean as seals, but can change into human form by shedding their pelts. If they do so, they must hide their pelts for... If they are found, they can't change back into seals and must live on land with the fishermen who possess their skin. So that's pretty creepy. Ocean werewolves. Ocean werewolves. Seals are kind of... I've always kind of been afraid of seals. I know that they kind of look cute, but just seals and dolphins... Well, just that rubbery skin has always kind of creeped me out. Like They just seem too... No, but they, they just seem rubbery. They just seem unnatural. I don't know. Seals have always kind of creeped me out. But imagine. This is what. Not even walruses. Yeah. Seals. The little ones. The fun ones. The little ones. Yeah, they're up to something, man. I don't trust them. Those guys are both funny, separately and together. And you can catch Kyle and Dave doing the boogie monster thing wherever you normally grab your soundcasts from. That brings us to our next clip from another spooktacular show called Ghoul Intentions. This one's a pretty unique offering. It's hosted by a couple of voiceover talent folks, Jamie Marchi, who is the voice of Ellie in the Borderlands 2 video game, as well as a bunch of other work, and J. Michael Tatum, another Borderlands 2 alum. He did the voice of Sir Hammerlock. If the episode I clipped this from is any indication, each show opens with a spooky tale, voiced by one or the other or both of the hosts. And then they go into a chat mode where they share creepy things from the news, culture, and around the world. Our featured snippet is from Epi 102, entitled A Bag of Bones. And the hosts talk about stuff made from skin and bones. Uh, that is human skin and human bones. Uh, Michael is talking about ossuaries in this clip. That's places that are made to house piles and piles of bones. The crypts of Santa Maria della mm. Concezione 
1775, the Marquis de Sade <laughs> wrote of it, quote, I have never seen anything more striking. <laughs> I should do that with a French accent. I have never seen anything more striking. Uh, granted, this kind of thing was really to his tastes. Now, Mark Twain also <laughs> wrote about it in his 1869 yeah. book, Innocence Abroad. When Twain... <laughs> Mark Twain wrote about it in his 1869 book, Innocence Abroad. When Twain asked one of the monks uh, what would happen when he died, the monk responded, We must all lie here at last. And lie there they do. Some 4,000 Capuchin friars who died between 1528 and 1870 are still lying, hanging, and generally adorning the Santa Maria della Colzazione crypt in Rome. In 1631, the Capuchin, the Capuchin friars, so-called because of the capuche or hood attached to their religious habit, left the friary of St. Bonaventure near the Trevi Fountain and came to live at Santa Maria della Cosazione, of which only the church and crypt now remain. They were ordered by Cardinal Antonio Barberini, the Pope's brother and a member of the Capuchin order, to bring the remains of the deceased friars along with them to their new home so that all the Capuchin friars might be in one place together. Uh, rather than simply burying the, rem the remains of their dead brethren, the monks decorated the walls of the crypts with their bones as a way of reminding themselves that death could come at any time. A plaque in the crypt reads, What you are now, we once were. What we are now, you shall be. I walked by that on that haunted tour. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Yes, yeah. We went by there, um, and they talked about it and how, like, um, the monks would go out to um, basically to collect people who had died in the middle of the night mm. and, mm. and, and uh, bring them back or whatever. But, um, yeah, we walked right by there. That's and they, so cool. And the whole thing about it. It was really cool. That's so, it's yeah. a really cool-looking thing. I mean, it's, it's very it's, – <laughs> now, the ossuary contains a crypt of skulls, a crypt of yeah. leg bones, and perhaps the oddest, a crypt of pelvises. Mummified monks were dressed in friars' clothes and hung from the walls and ceiling. With the addition of electricity, light fixtures were incorporated into some of the hanging mm -hmm. monks, bringing a new meaning to the phrase, eternal light. A particular, <laughs> a particular highlight of the crypt is the skeleton enclosed in an oval of bones, holding a scythe and scales, tools made entirely out of, you guessed it, Bones. The crypt is said to have been the inspiration for Sedlik Ossuary in the Czech Republic, which we will get to. Uh, next up is the Melnik Chapel of Bones. Now, for the Bohemian queens and princesses, it was a fucking raw deal. <laughs> <laughs> for the other 15,000 skeletons in this crypt, it was an upgrade. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the crypt under the St. Peter and Paul's Church in Melnick was intended to be a holy burial ground for Bohemia's royal ladies. But in the night, in the, excuse me, in the 1520s, a plague epidemic swept through the area, creating a huge demand, obviously, for burial ground. The corpses which had been occupying the cemeteries surrounding the church were promptly dug up, and some 15,000 corpses were cleaned and dumped into the vault. It was basically just a pile of bones, and in the 1780s, when ossuaries were declared a health risk, the vault was bricked up and forgotten about for some 230 years, until a Czech anthropologist by the name of Jindrik uh, Matieka decided to take a look for himself. Matiega is considered one of the fathers of Czech anthropology and spent a considerable amount of his time studying skeletons, crypts, and ossuaries throughout then Czechoslovakia. 
In the 1910s, Matiega reopened the entrance to the crypt and began assembling the bones into his very own ossuary. Arranged with a literate theology, as uh, Matiega put it, he stacked the bones into orderly piles and meaningful patterns. The largest pile can be seen directly in front of the entrance and is 15 feet square and over 6 feet high, and is believed to contain roughly 10,000 skeletons. Matiega arranged the other 5,000 skeletons into a large cross of bones decorated with a palm frond, skulls into a heart shape representing love, and most notably built a tunnel of leg bones to represent Christ's resurrection. Professor, anthropologist, and religious man, Matiega definitely had a gothic streak. As a kind of <laughs> signature, Matiega wrote the Latin inscription Esse Mors, Behold Death, spelled out, in bones. Today, oh, you can still visit the ossuary as well as the lovely church above it. It is open daily except for Mondays. That was a fun-sized bar of ghoul intentions, which you can find at ghoulintentions.com and pretty much every other soundcasty place on the World Wide Web. All right, let's do the sponsorship thing, starting with Henderson's Pants. If you have a dog or a cat or a bird or an ocelot and they are currently not sporting pants, this message is for you. Or them, really. Friends, for years, Henderson's Pants has been saying that we offer stylish lower body wear for every member of your family. Well, it's time to come clean. That hasn't been exactly truthful. Sure, Henderson's offered pants for mom and dad, brother and sister, even baby. But what about Fido and Fluffy, the dogs and cats of this great country? Aren't they members of the family too, you ask? Well, they are now. With Henderson's Pet Pants, your favorite furry friend doesn't have to be bare-assing around the house any longer. With more colors and fabrics than you can fetch a stick with, pets now have no excuse not to be putting on the dog or cat when it comes to stepping out in style. And Henderson's Pet Pants are not just limited to your pooch or pussy. Birds, fish, lizards, we are complete petophiles at Henderson's, and we have just the pant no matter what your companion companion's persuasion. Whether you want to see your Dalmatian in denim or your Persian in petal pushers, we've got it. That squawking cockatiel in corduroy, goldfish in gold lame, or Komodo dragon in khaki, ho-ho, we've got it. Hendersons can even lock your livestock up in stylish trousers. Imagine Porky's ham hocks in herringbone or your frisky llama in linen. We've got that, too. Originally designed for petting zoos, furry conventions, and the Bohemian Grove, Henderson's Pet Pants are now available truly for the first time for the entire family. That's Henderson's, makers of fine trousers and pantaloons since 1896, and now back to Suckatash. This episode of Suckatash is sponsored in part by TrumPoetry.com, a chronological ode to a fake muse. Enjoy a rhyming spin on the news of the day every day, as well as over 500 archived daily verses thoroughly covering the White House, America, and the world with a sticky caramel coating that's impossible to remove. That's TrumPoetry.com. Everything you need to know in rhyming couplets. TrumPoetry.com. The log line for this next show on Apple Podcasts reads, Spoop Hour is a paranormal comedy podcast hosted by two Halloweenies, Courtney and Sasha. Each week we take a look at a different creepy topic like ghosts, cryptids, or anything that goes bump in the night. 
get spooked. Hmm. I guess, I guess spoop is a portmanteau for spook and poop. And the hosts definitely like to laugh and cram a lot of stuff into their shows. Our clip is from the episode entitled What Happened to Fritz? that dropped on October 13th, just last week, and concerns the haunting of Alma Fielding. See if this shivers your timbers, matey. And I'm not sure why I said it like that, because this story has nothing to do with pirates. This first one is about the haunting of Alma Fielding. I got halfway into this research and I was like, we've maybe done this before, but then there were details that I didn't recognize, so I don't think we've done it before. It might just be similar to another yeah. haunting we did, you know. Yeah. There's a town called Alma near where my grandparents live. <laughs> it is not in Michigan, so. It's not in Michigan, so. We're good. <laughs> or is it? Oh. Also, if you're interested in this and you want to read, like, an in-depth accounting of it, there's a book by Kate Summerscale, and I believe the book is also called The Haunting of Alma Fielding. Mm. And I did not read it because I just discovered it existed, like, two days ago, and... I don't have the brain power to read a book in two days right now. Unless if it's you... for boobies and newbies. Hey, <laughs> and it's a romance movie, uh, romance movie. Romance movie, <laughs> novel. I can read a romance movie so fast right, right? now. You guys don't even know. <laughs> I know what anyway. words are. <laughs> <laughs> if you would like to read this, by all means do so. And then tell us what you think. It's supposed to be really good. I just, I just haven't read it. Yeah. So. All right. In February of 1938, a housewife in Croydon, South London, England, called the Sunday Pictorial with a strange story. Alma Fielding, then 34, said that she, her husband Les, her son Moore, just kidding, his name's Don, ah. <laughs> <laughs> and their lodger, George Saunders, had experienced a series of weird events at their home. Come to the house. There are things going on here I cannot explain, she said. The Sunday pictorial, clearly run by people like us, was like, absolutely, we yeah. are on our way. Let's friggin' go. Let's and go. And sent two reporters to check out the situation. I like to think they were 1930s Courtney and Sasha, because <laughs> we'd be like, ooh, dibs. <laughs> right? Hell yeah. From, from the moment 1930s Courtney and Sasha arrived, though, things were spooky. An egg came flying down the hall to crash at the feet of the reporters at the door, and Alma's <laughs> like, come in, I guess. Not, no. This sounds familiar, but I think Doesn't it's familiar it? in the sense of two people coming to a house that's reported to be haunted and the family just being like, I guess that's what no, it no. is. Yeah, I, I, went, I even went back through our back catalog and I found the episode we did on Poltergeist. Spoilers, they think this is a Poltergeist. Yeah. And I, I didn't mention in the episode description this one. Yeah. So I think it's just similar to the Portsmouth poltergeist we did, mm -hmm. which is the one where he would, like, dip bullets in the river and then throw them at people. Yeah. I think it just <laughs> so, sounds like a very poltergeisty story. Yeah. I think I think there's, like, a limited array of things that poltergeists do. So, like... <laughs> Including throwing eggs. <laughs> yeah. So, like, how different is each poltergeist story mm -hmm. really going to be? Because there are a couple things where I'm like, I don't remember this detail, and I think I would have. Anyway, for mm -hmm. example, one such detail was that when Alma showed 1930s Courtney and Sasha to the kitchen... A pink dog figurine fell to the ground and shattered. No, not and the pink dog. I know, and it apparently was made out of China, too, so it was like a nice-ass dog figurine. That's so sad. But at the same time, it's like, if you had gotten it made out of a hardier material, it maybe wouldn't have shattered when it fell. Yeah. But then it's, like, what's the worth of that tchotchke, then, right? Exactly. You yeah. gotta You gotta weigh the pros and cons of all the tchotchkes you get. <laughs> 
Also, while they were in the kitchen, a can opener floated and operated itself at head height. I should say, I Americanized that. They called it a tin opener, which was very cute, but I was like, no, we call those can openers here. Mm -mm. But you may know it as a tin opener, but it, like, flew at them, like, forehead level, which is a little funny. (laughs) When the crew sat in the front parlor to enjoy some tea, because they're not animals, and even though there's a poltergeist hopping around, they're still going to have some friggin' tea. It's called hospitality. (laughs) Look it up, poltergeist. (laughs) (laughs) So they're having their tea, and Alma was holding her teacup and saucer when they abruptly floated out of her hands, and then the saucer shattered. Oh, no. Then Alma, who again, it's called hospitality, looks it up, she got a replacement saucer. (laughs) She's like, God forbid I have this tea without a little saucer. Right. But then... When she was holding that saucer, it exploded in her hand and cut her thumb. No! So, maybe it's just an anti-saucer ghost. We don't know. This poltergeist has no manners. Yeah, this poltergeist is like, fuck yo nice things. Cause <laughs> smash. As the reporters helped Alma bandage her wound, a crash resounded from the kitchen. So they rushed back into the kitchen and found the source of the sound was a wine glass that had fallen to the floor and shattered. But Stop breaking her nice shit. <laughs> here's the crazy part. The wine glass had been in a locked cabinet, and the cabinet was still closed and locked. No, I hate it. Ooh. But also, stop breaking her nice shit. <laughs> well, the poltergeist does change speeds and just breaks another egg this time by lobbing it through the living room. And then a large piece of coal rose from the fireplace and charged towards one of the reporters. So I guess the ghost was like, I've smashed enough of your nice things. I've made my point. Give oh, me some coal. <laughs> if you like spooky trash, you've come to the right place. That is the Spoop Hour motto on their home site over at Podbean. But you can find them pretty much anywhere else. Soundcasts exist as well. Our last clip for this episode is from a show out of London, England, called This Paranormal Life. Once again, the blurb from their home site, which seems to be SoundCloud, really says it all. From punching Bigfoot to hunting ancient aliens, every Tuesday, Rory Powers and Kit Greer investigate a different paranormal case and find the truth inside the mystery. For this clip, I went back to August 25th of this year, mainly because the title of the show caught my eye, the hooded figures of Ballyboley Forest. And this clip actually teases a bit of the story of those very hooded figures. The year is 1997, and two young men make their way down a gravel path leading out of the small town of Ballynur. A local passing by notices their walking gear and calls out to them. Where are you off to today, lads? Just going for a wee walk, so we are uh, first time in Ballynur. Aye, well, you's picked a rotten day for it. Rain's been on and off since morning. Where are you's headed? We're going into the woods. You know, Ballyboley Forest. The man froze. Lads, if you know what's good for yous, this is as far as you'll go. The two men decided to ignore the warning. It wasn't stormy. It was still daylight. They had no idea what this crazy local was talking about, so they pushed forward. Just think about how funny it was if the first uh, case we had that was set in Northern Ireland, we were like, the locals said, where are y'all going? (laughs) Straight back to the Southern American accents, even when it's Northern Ireland. (laughs) (laughs) The trail led them deep into the trees, straight through the heart of Ballyboley Forest. But as they walked deeper and deeper into the woods, they began to hear strange noises echoing around them, bouncing off the trees. Think 
Ocarina of Time Forest Temple. Things okay. are getting real weird up in here. Yeah, we're talking... Uh, Spiders the size of a car. You follow a trail for like an hour. You look back. You're five paces from where you entered the forest. The trees are growing down. You're up. Everything is twisted and weird. Yeah. The noises continue to echo and bounce off the trees. Hello? Is anybody out there? No response. Feeling a little uneasy, the two men decided to pick up the pace. The noises began to get stranger. Now in the distance, they could hear a woman moaning. Yeah, that'll work. Pick up the pace. I mean, how big can this forest be? I'm sure you'll be out the other side in no time. Thinking that she was possibly hurt or in trouble, the two men followed the sounds, trying to see if they could find the source. Until it sounded like it was right in front of them. When they slowly pushed through the trees, the noise stopped completely. Well, that was weird. Let's go get a pint. Then, an ear-splitting scream cried out from behind them. The two men took off, running in fear, pushing through the trees and branches, trying desperately to find their way out of the woods. When they reached the edge of the forest, the two men glanced back as they ran, and in the woods, they spotted four hooded figures in brown ragged robes. Oh, shit. Standing motionless, watching them as they left. That old man was part of this crew. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to go in the woods today, lads. Me and the boys are going to sacrifice a goat. It's a 12 p.m. Druid's meet, monthly meetup. While this story comes We've from... We've booked the woods, so we have <laughs> f off. While this story comes from 1997, Ballyboley Forest has a dark history spanning back to the 15th century and to, and to this day remains not just the most haunted forest in all of Ireland, but also arguably the entire world. What? Argued by me today <laughs> on this show. And I'll fight anyone who says otherwise. That's pretty shocking to me because as discussed... We spent damn near all our lives uh, in the home country and have uh, kind of never heard of its haunted past or indeed the forest itself. But maybe it's kind of, it, this is, this place is on some Voldemort shit. It's like the forest we do not speak of. Yeah. And this is, this is bad as well. Just because we talked about one case where there's a couple hooded guys, things get a lot weirder. Uh, people tell stories of entering the woods and never coming out. Wanderers have described hearing screaming and squealing from animals and humans. And many visitors have stumbled across strange monuments and altars that look like they've been used for sacrifices. Okay, so... There's also mysterious smoke, blood painted on trees. Jesus. And I'm pretty sure there's a ghost in there as well. If you want more of this paranormal life, it's in soundcast form, and you can find it in all of the high-class spots that most soundcasts are streamed and or downloaded. So those were some early Halloween treats to put in your bag, or ears. I wanted to get them out now because looking at the old calendar on the wall, Tyson Saner's next episode, Succotash Shut-In number 226, covers Halloween, and I won't be back until just after. So I wanted to make sure to get some... Uh, a little fun in for you right there. Thanks for all of the comedy soundcasters who hopefully didn't mind that we gave them free plugs and played clips from their shows so you can be tempted to go find the shows out there in soundcast land. 
Remember that there are links to each show that we featured on today's installment, and pretty much all the hosts and guests also have links to their Twitter or Instagram feeds on our blog as well, which lives at SuccotashShow.com. If you are a comedy soundcaster and would like us to feature a three to five minute MP3 clip of your show on our show, listen to details from our announcer, Bill Haywatt, on where you can find our direct upload link in his closing comments. And I hope it works for you, unlike Amanda Welzine, who ended up having to mail us her clip, which you can do too. You can mail us clips or letters or whatever will fit through the email box slot. Our addresses are Mark, M-A-R-C, at SuccotashShow.com or Tyson at SuccotashShow.com. That's me for now, hoping that you enjoyed this show and that you're going to be able to get your Halloween on in some way, shape, or form, regardless of spooky, spooky COVID. If you didn't like the show, I'm frankly surprised you made it this far. And if you did like the show, won't you please take just a moment to rate and review Succotash Shut-In on Apple or Google Podcasts or wherever you grab our feed from? And please... If you're thinking about it when you're hanging out with your friends on Zoom, House Party, or Prodigy Usenet, remember to pass the Succotash. You've been listening to Succotash Shut In, the Soundcast Stimulus Package, with your host, Mark Hershon. Brought to you by Henderson's Pants, TrumpPoetry.com, and... Imagine your company's name right here. Find us on the web at SuccotashShow.com, on iTunes, on Stitcher, on iHeartRadio, on YouTube, on SoundCloud, on the <laughs> laughable app, and tattooed on your mother's rear end. You can hear us streaming and like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Succotash Show. Email us at marc at succotashshow.com. Or call into the Succotash Skype line at our toll call number 818-921-7212. You can also upload clips from your favorite comedy soundcast directly to us using our direct upload link at hightail.com slash u slash Succotash. Production of Succotash is overseen by Joe Paulino through the auspices of Studio P. Sausalito, the home of the hit. Our hosts are Mark Hershon and Tyson Sainer. Our musical director is Scott Carvey. Our booth assistant is still Kenny Durgis. And until next time, I'm your loyal booth announcer, Bill Haywatt, reminding you to please wash your hands and pass the Succotash. Goodbye. This has been a Succotash Patch production.